You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose podcast. We're currently in a series called The Church, who God has called and created us to be. For more sermons and content, go to sojournmontrose.com. With that said, um, we're actually starting uh, a new sermon series today um, that's very creatively titled Church. Um, in, in which we're going to be discussing really what it means to, to be the church, to be the people of God. And so um, if you'll just indulge me for a moment, if you haven't been around Sojourn for the last um, few months, that's about how old we are, by the way. So uh, you haven't missed out on a ton. But um, what we've really been trying to do is kind of um, uh, establish ourselves um, with, a, with a good um, theology, just meaning a, a good understanding of, of who God is and what he's done and, and what that means for people who would desire to then, to then follow him um, according to, to sort of what he's given us. And so uh, we spent the first really 20-something weeks of, of this year going through the book of Romans. And, and the book of Romans is really, um, it's just a book of the Bible in, in the New Testament. It's a letter that a guy named Paul um, wrote to, to a church there, to believers there. And it's all about, it's all about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the good news about what Jesus came to do. And, and you can kind of sum it up in these words that, that, uh, that Jesus came and, and lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died, and then rose in victory over our sin um, in order to provide us with the righteousness required for God's favor. And so Romans was, was all about sort of this idea that as, if you want to be a Christian, that if you want to follow Jesus, um, that it's not so much about you being able to accomplish a, a list of sort of moral requirements, but that it's all the more or absolutely all about understanding that you were unable to do those things, but that Jesus did them for you. Um, and so we, we sort of built on that foundation. Now what we want to do is understand, yeah, we've been, we've been saved from, from our own depravity, from our own inability to live up to God's standards by Jesus, um, but that that's not a pursuit or that that's not an identity that, that we then sort of wander off with to sort of play Lone Ranger until, we, un, uh, until the time comes for us to pass on. But that, but that God has called us to be and become a people. And so um, that's what we're going to spend the next, next 10 weeks doing. And, and, and ultimately what we want to do is, is always sort of establish um, our, our identity or the, um, the indicative before um, we, we move into the imperative. So we're going to talk a lot in this series about sort of things that the church does. We'll talk about what baptism is, and we'll talk about communion, and we'll talk about why we do membership, and why there's leaders in the church, and, and all of these other things. But ultimately, it's all born out of, again, born out of, uh, of an identity, an identity that has been given to us by Jesus um, for the glory of God. And so um, with that said, today's sermon uh, is called uh, The People of God. So uh, we're going to be talking through what it means for the church to be uh, the people of God. And so First uh, Peter is going to do a great job for us of, of explaining what that looks like. So um, with that said, there's, there's, there's really one phrase. So if you've, if you've heard me preach before, you know that I'm kind of a three points guy, um, and there still will sort of be three points, but it's all wrapped up in this phrase. So if you're, if you're taking notes, write, write this down, okay? Um, it has always been God's intent to have a people for himself, both to whom he reveals himself and through whom he reveals himself to the world. So that's pretty long, so I'm just gonna say it one more time. It has always been God's intent to have a people to himself, both to whom he reveals himself 
and through whom he reveals himself to the world. And so what we, what we want to do, uh, the three points are going to be, we're going to talk about what it means to be a people. We're, we're going to talk about what it means to be a people to whom God reveals himself. And then we're going to talk about what it means to be a people through whom God reveals himself. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is just this idea of being a people. Because what does 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 say? It says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So here's what I want us to do. And just to kind of bring this to a, a, a really sort of simple uh, level of understanding. Um, all of us, to some degree, in fact, probably most uh, of our lives, whether, whether you're a Christian or not, um, is sort of a pursuit of, of obtaining or securing or maintaining an identity. Right, so so whether it's a, a, a this this is really a, appropriate considering the World Cup is going on. I don't get to talk about soccer a lot from from here, so I'm going to take that opportunity. But this is you know this is a moment, a season that happens every four years where where people really rally around their national identity. Right, they rally around their national identity. They watch sort of their 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 national representatives go and play this this sport for them, and something something really beautiful sort of happens in this time. Right, uh, unless you don't like soccer, and then you're just kind of like it's lame. But um, you can substitute Olympics if you want. You can use that if you want. But, but ultimately what we do is we sort of all rally around this common identity. And, and if you've ever watched a World Cup game or an Olympic event, usually the, the competitors, they'll, they'll play like a, a snippet of their national anthem and they'll, they'll either hold their hand over their heart or they'll, they'll sing really loud along with it. Um, and it's just this just sort of this great moment um, where a ton of different people, because countries are made up of, of lots of different people, lots of different people in the U.S., lots of people maybe even um, that don't agree with each other. But when that moment comes, we all, we all sort of stand and we all sort of fall underneath the same flag. We all sort of fall underneath um, sort of the same common identity. And, and to a lesser degree, we all do that in our everyday lives, whether it's um, maybe a certain kind of art form that we particularly enjoy or a certain kind of music that we espouse, or maybe it's a, a certain religious or ethical view that, we've, that we fall underneath and we sort of divide into these, these little camps where we can say, I can, I can be me among these people because they're, because they're like me. Right, so so much of the much of the pursuit, the human pursuit, right? So I'm not even just talking from a, a Christian perspective, but much of the human pursuit is a pursuit for either establishing, maintaining, uh, or sustaining uh, an identity, an identity, and and we make we make decisions day in and day out based on sort of what falls into line with that identity, right? So it's like, I, I, I am this kind of person, so I don't do this kind of thing. Or I enjoy these kinds of things, so I don't do these kinds of things. All right? You can substitute just about anything you want into those blanks, but everything that we do is sort of a striving for, a looking for, a maintaining an identity. An identity. And so what, what, what we want to do here and now is begin to understand that our chief identity, that, that, if, that if we are Christians in the room, that our chief identity should be what? The, the, the church, right? The church, the, the gospel of Jesus creates a people, a people for God's own possession, right? Peter is describing for us here our identity. That's what he's doing, right? He said, he, he's describing you here. So if you're, and, and what I mean by you, if you are a Christian in the room, 
and you ascribe to the fact that, that, that Jesus did what he said he did, was who he says he was, then Peter is saying that you are a chosen race, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are a holy nation, that you are a people for God's own possession. So here's the thing, right? We, we, we want to talk about our identity. identity. Much of our identity is formed by sort of what we value. Right? So maybe we, we value a certain career path or we value a certain social activity. We make decisions that then lead us into sort of a, a greater heralding or a greater understanding of that. Right? Like, like that, that's, that's what happens. We sort of delve deeper and deeper into this, this way or mode of living. And so all that we're hoping to do here at Sojourn is to, to, to take that which we treasure or that which we value and see that ultimately, above and beyond all of those things, we treasure and value Jesus. That we treasure and value what, what God has done for us and that we are now going to begin to see that our identity is not so much something that we form, but it's something that's been given to us by grace through faith. That we're adopted sons and daughters of the King because of what Jesus has done. So more than you're a doctor or more than you're a teacher or more than you're a middle-class American or more than you're a Republican or more than you're a Democrat, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You see, see much of the struggle with the Christian faith is that we have all of these things that are sort of warring for our, for our attention, that long for us to sort of place our identity in them, right? Like that's, that's what marketing sort of 101 is. Find identity by this product that you use. And, and, and all that we're trying to do here at Sojourn is to see that, that all of our identity is wrapped up in, as believers, is wrapped in what, what Jesus has done for us on the cross, and that that plays itself out among the people of God. Now, what we want to do here is sort of, uh, is understand, right? We, we, we say that it's, it's through the church that God reveals himself to the world, right? Ephesians chapter 3, that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known through the church, through his people. But remember what we said at the beginning of the sermon. We said that it's always been God's intent to have a people to whom and through whom he would reveal himself. It's always been God's intent. So here's the thing. Um, if, you're, if you're not a believer in the room and you, maybe you have very little contact with the Bible, um, you, you know, a lot of us tend to look at it as sort of maybe a collection of disparate stories that just kind of got woven together in some weird way, but that not all of them are really cohesive, that there's moments where maybe it contradicts itself or, or maybe it espouses some views that you think um, it espouses. But when we, when we use this phrase, that it has always been God's intent to have a people to, uh, to himself, both to whom he reveals himself and through whom he reveals himself, that really and truly is a summary of the entire Bible. Like the entire narrative of the Bible can be sort of wrapped up in that statement. And so what I want us to see is that if you're, if you're a part of a, of a church, much more than sort of just being a building or a place where activities happen, that the church is the people of God, I want us to see how we fall into the continuation of that theme that has always been there. All right, so I'm just, just briefly 
going to say that, you know, we, we, see this in, we see this in the creation, right? So if you're familiar with Genesis, the first book in the Bible, what, is, what does God do? He creates man and woman, and he, and he says that he created them in his image and that they were to rule in his name, right? So, so God revealed himself to them, and they were to reveal him to the world, right? Like, that's what, that's what they were created to, it was, to do. It wasn't, it wasn't just... God's sort of like, I'm going to throw all these things sort of in, in this pot, and then I'm just going to stand back and sort of see, see what happens. Right? So Adam wasn't just kind of walking around, like trying to discover, figure out what's going on. No, no, it says that God walked with him, like that he knew God and was known by God, that he was created for relationship with God, that that, that, that was sort of our, our purpose, what we were made for, that that was always God's intent to have that people to whom and through whom he would reveal himself. But then we, we recognize really quickly that that sort of um, what we may have thought was an experiment failed, right? Um, that we decided rather than having fellowship with God, we would sort of choose to, to go our own way. And yet God's pursuit or God's, God's intent does not change, right? So he goes to this man named Abraham and what does he say? He says, I, I am going to make a nation through you a nation of your offspring, right? They're going to outnumber the sand on the shores. And it's through that nation that I'm going to bless all the other nations, a people to whom and a people through whom. And what does he, what does he do with Moses? It's the same deal. He reveals himself the, through the burning bush. He gives the law, all of these things. He walks with them in a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And it's, and it's through this nation that he makes himself known to really the, the, the entire sort of empire of, of Egypt, right? That Pharaoh comes to know God's name because of this people that God saves and liberates for the sake of his name. We see that all throughout the prophets, right? So if you read books like Isaiah in the Old Testament, all the books before Jesus, does it promise us? It, it says, look, it, like, though you fail, this is what's going to happen. I'm going, I will be your people and you will, or I will be your God and you will be my people. And we see that, of course, in the person and work of Jesus, that he says that he has come to call those who are his unto himself. Right, so the entire Bible is sort of summed up in this phrase that it was always God's intent to have a people to himself, both to whom and through whom he would reveal himself. And so here's the thing, if you're, if you're a Christian in the room this morning, it is impossible to be a follower of Jesus and not be a part of the people of God, which is the church. It's not possible. And so this idea sort of that you can live out your Christianity in isolation, that you can sort of live out your, your belief system in, in isolation from other people, from the other people in your family, from the other people in your nation, the other people that share the same identity as you, is foolish. It's foolish, but it's also not what we do with every other identity that we have. Right? Every other thing that we like to cherish and hold on to. We, we practice and enjoy with other people, right? I mean, is that, is that not true? You go, you go to concerts to watch the same band. You don't even know the guy next to you, and you're like, yeah, man, this rules. You know, like, you, you do those things. And so it, it not only makes sort of a, a, a theological sense, but it makes a sense just in, in how we were created to operate, that we were made to 
belong to one another. And so um, we're going to grab verse 10. It says this, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so here's the thing. What, what we want to do is, is understand this, right? So um, we believe the church to, to be the people of God. But it's a people um, based on really, really one thing. Right? So it's not sort of just a general collection of people who, who assent to who God is. It's not just sort of like a, you know, we're, we're all kind of traversing the same mountain. The Christian way is just a different way to get to the top. It's the same guy sitting up there. But no, that we're, that we're a people to whom God has revealed himself in a very specific way. And so that's what we're going to try to grab from verse 10, is just this understanding that God has revealed himself to us in a very specific way, in a, in a, in a most clear way which is in, in the gospel of Jesus. And so here's the thing. God has not only claimed his people in an arbitrary or, or forcible way, he's revealed himself to his people and he will continue to reveal himself as the good, gracious, and loving king that he is. Now, Romans, if, you, if you're familiar with the Bible, Romans would, would tell us that, that God has revealed himself to us in nature. Right? He, so he would say that the heavens declare the glory of God. He would say that, um, that we can sort of just look around and that the, the creation itself testifies to the truth that there, that there is a God, a good, gracious, and generous God. And, and then we, we see that God has revealed himself also in, in something that we would call common grace or just in his goodness to all people. Right? So you don't have to be a Christian to be experiencing God's grace right now. You're not, you're not experiencing the fullness of his grace, which we'll talk to in a, in a minute. But that God has been gracious to us in providing air to breathe. But that God has been gracious to us in that rain falls so that our food grows. In that seeds that we plant and then do nothing with somehow sprout into something that we can consume. That God has been gracious to us in giving language and faculties that allow us to do work. Work that then provides for us a wage. Right, that all of us sit underneath that grace. But that that's not the grace that, that calls out or singles out the people of God. That the people of God are singled out by this phrase, once you had not received mercy. Right? So once you were not a people, why? Because once you had not received mercy. But now you are a people, why? Because you have received mercy. Because you've received mercy. So, Contrary to, to the popular belief, we are not all God's children. We are not all adopted sons and daughters in the family of Jesus. But we come to him, we come to the Father by what? By the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus. Jesus himself said that, right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so here's the thing. Um, the people of God are defined by, again, the mercy that they have received in Jesus, so that's, that's, that's who the people of God are. First Peter clearly tells us um, in verse four, he says this, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, that's Jesus, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He goes on a little bit later and he says this, behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, he's talking about Jesus, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
So the honor is for you who believe. So here's the thing, the, the, the people of God are set apart by their unique identity in Jesus. That because of what Jesus has done for you, you now belong to the, the people of God. That, that as Romans says, that you have called upon the name of Christ and he's been faithful to redeem you. That that is sort of the, the price of admission or that that is what secures you as a member of this people. And so again, I think that's, that that's helpful probably for both groups of people in the room here today. If you're a Christian, you should know that you can't just receive God's grace and not deal with God's people. And then if you're not a Christian in the room, like let's just be very clear about, about what it means to be part of the people of God. It means to submit yourself to the, to the glory and grace that he's provided for us in Jesus. It's just, it's accepting that good gift. And so here's the thing. God has revealed himself in many different ways, right? He's revealed himself through nature. He's revealed himself through his common grace, like the, the goodness that he has towards all people. But he has revealed himself finally. He's revealed himself fully, ultimately, comprehensively, most clearly in the person and work of Jesus, and that is why we call on his name for salvation. That's why. So we are the people of God to whom he's revealed himself. And so now the third, the third point that we're going to talk about is this idea that now through this people, he will continue to reveal himself to the world, right? Because it's always been God's intent to have a people to himself. So the church is comprised of the people of God by virtue of the fact that he's revealed himself to them in Jesus, and now they are released to be the people through whom God would reveal himself, right? The second half of verse 9 says this, that we are a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Into his marvelous light. So here's the thing right? We've said it, I've said it probably a hundred times already. You're sick of it. Always been God's intent to have a people, not just to whom he reveals himself, right? So not just a people that sort of sit and bask in his glory and sort of hoard the goodness of his grace to themselves and sort of just kind of like a, uh, like a golem type character, sort of just marvel at this precious gift that they have and, and sort of wither away into nothing but that there are people that have been redeemed with a purpose, that they've been given a good gift to then share or then leverage for the glory of God, that we're a people for his own possession to proclaim the excellencies of his glory. So here's the thing. We can trace this again all the way back, right? Like just like in Adam, he desired to have a people to himself. He also designed, he also created Adam to then go and proclaim the glories of God. And when he called out Abraham, he said, it's, it's through your people that I will proclaim my glory. He did the same thing with Moses, right? So it's not, it's not simply about God sort of being kind and generous and redeeming a people, taking them out of slavery and providing for them in the desert and, and all of these different things. But it's that in that, God reveals his glory. That in God's goodness to his people, he reveals his glory. You see that in the prophets. He calls the prophets out. What does he tell them to do? Go proclaim my excellencies. I'll give you one example. We always, re we always read it at Christmas, but I think it's incredibly pertinent today. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two says this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. Skip down. Verse um, Verse number six, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Right? Like, that's, that's good news. And that's the glory of God. And look, this is, this is before Jesus comes. Right? This is about, in fact, it's probably about 700 maybe even closer to 800 years before Jesus ever sets foot on the scene. And this man named Isaiah has been called out by God to be a person for his own possession that then goes and proclaims the excellencies, the glories of God. Right? Like, here's the thing. If you're, whether you're a Christian in the room or not, this idea of a good king, like someone who rules over us that we can trust, someone who's going to reign in peace, and someone who underneath their reign of peace there will be no end, that this government, this good government, this generous and kind government will, will, will never cease to prosper? Like that, that, that that's good news. That that's the glory of God. That that's the purposes of God. And that he's chosen to use a people to reveal himself to and through. And of course we see that in Jesus. Right? That he was God in the flesh. And that he revealed God to it. We reread it last week. We read it last week when he's talking to the rich young ruler and, and the rich young ruler comes and says, good teacher. And he says, who are you calling good? There is none good but God. Again, G Jesus was a sent man. Israel was a sent people. Moses was a sent man. Isaiah was a sent man. And we now, all the apostles were, were sent men, and we now as the church are a sent people, a people sent to proclaim His excellencies, a people through whom God would reveal Himself. So here's the thing. This is really kind of where we want to get to. If we could sum up uh, this sort of entire uh, this entire sermon in, in one phrase, the church is God's people saved by God's power and sent for God's purposes, right? So the church is God's people, a people to whom, right, that were saved by God's power. He revealed himself through Jesus in order that they might be saved. And he reveals himself continually through this people, right, for his purposes, for the sake of his name. So here's the thing, there's, there's two, two people really that, that I kind of want to talk to, and I really think there's only two kinds of people in this room this morning. And, and you're probably looking around and saying, well, that would be weird. Um, but it's true. It's true. And so here's the thing, if you're, if you're a Christian in the room, I, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes. Our, our entire goal in all of this is that, is that we would be a people that, that live into this identity. Right? There, there are so many things competing for our affections in the world today. That There are so many things competing for um, our, our, sort of, our identity that we would long for, that we would be found in those things. And yet what, what Peter is telling us is that because of Jesus, you have an identity that can't be removed from you. Like that, 
that everything that you would strive sort of to, to, to hold onto or, or to grasp onto because it gives you meaning and purpose, that, that although all of those things could disappear, that your identity as a, as a son, as a daughter of, of the king because of Jesus, that those are things that don't ever go away. That you have an inheritance that is laid up for you in heaven, which neither thief can steal nor can moth destroy. So here's the thing, we, we want to we be this people. Like, we want to we live into this citizenship in such a way that we find humility in the way that that citizenship was secured. We want to live into this identity in such a way that we find hope in that rather than the things that maybe belong to us or that we feel like we can acquire or obtain. That we want to be a, a, a people in Montrose that God has not only revealed himself to, and it terminates on ourselves, but that through us, God would make himself known to this neighborhood. Like that that's, that's what informed the entire decision to even come and start something like this. So it wasn't so much about, well, Marshall needs a salary and needs to find something to do. I guarantee you there's other things I could find to do. But it's that, but it's that there were a people here in Houston that have not been exposed to God's glory in its most explicit sense in the person and work of Jesus and that we were saved to do those things. That we were saved to go to the people who don't know about Jesus. That the whole reason God formed a people was not just to reveal himself to them and you can have your own little sort of private tea party with Jesus, but that we would invite other people to the party. That we would bring people in, that we would be a people for God's possession, both to whom and through whom he would reveal himself. If you're a Christian in the room, that's, that's what sojourn is, is all about. Like, that's, that's what we want to be. That's our dreams. That's our aspirations. Don't even bother signing up for covenant membership. I'm kidding. Please do. Um, because there's a, lot, there's a lot more that sort of happens underneath that. And I could talk for a long time. You'll figure that out on, at covenant membership if you come. But, but if, if you're a Christian, that is what God has called you to do. And I don't care if you do it at this church or, or any other church, but get among the people of God and begin to do that which God has saved you for because he saved you for a purpose, for a reason. It's always been his intent. Fall, fall into that story because it's, it's the only one that lasts. It's the only one that doesn't terminate on your final breath. If you're not a Christian in the room, uh, just want to take a moment and talk to you. You're, uh, you know, um, af- after all of this, there's, there's probably sort of uh, some temptation uh, to, to, to listen to all this and think they're just some sort of like weird militant crusader kind of, kind of vibe, you know, um, a, a holy nation, like a, ro- a royal priesthood, you know, uh, all, all of those things. That, that sounds really, uh, really sort of strange probably. And yet, and yet all, that, all that we mean by all of this is that, that, um, that, that God has been kind and generous to us in Jesus and, and we just want to thank him loudly so that other people hear. Um, we're, we're, we're a blood-bought people. We're, um, we're finding lots of, lots of good things in light of this. I mean, ultimately, our, our identity is, is one that we believe is secure. So all of those things that you strive to, to grasp onto, I mean, I'll just tell you right now that the, they'll be gone at some point, either because you leave or because they leave. It, it'll be one of those two. But, but that we believe that we find ultimate identity, a secure identity in this, 
and that this frees us up to know and be known in, in ways that, um, that, that other things don't allow us to. We don't have to put aside ourselves, that we can come to the cross of Christ knowing that there is grace and mercy strong enough, big enough, large enough, gracious enough to cover all that in us which we find at fault or that we would want to normally cover up. That we can be just a ludicrously free people because of what Jesus has done. And that it's in that freedom that we want to rejoice and that we want to share in that freedom with you. And so here's the thing. Uh, all of this probably sounds pretty exclusive, right? Like if you're, if you're not a, a Christian in the room, to, to some degree you may um, espouse sort of this idea maybe of, uh, of, of tolerance or, or that, uh, you know, we're all equal and things like that. And, and, and I, and I want to tell you that, um, that yeah, I mean, I, I believe that in terms of worth we're, we're equal. Uh, and, and, and so I'm, what we're not trying to say here is that we're better, so we're not trying to sort of do the whole, we're the, we're the people of God and you're not. Because although our, our, although our truth is exclusive, right? So we're, we're, what we're saying here today is that if you want to be a part of the people of God, that you have to call upon the name of Jesus for faith and salvation, that, that, that it's by grace through faith that we're saved, not of works so that none can boast. Meaning everything that you've piled up maybe as a good resume um, is worthless to God, but that Jesus gave you his resume instead. Like that that's an exclusive truth. I recognize that. But the, in, the invitation to partake of that truth is inclusive. Right? So again, you don't have to behave before you can belong and believe. That Jesus calls all those who are weary and heavy laden because he will give them rest. And so here's the thing. We... we just to put everything out on the table, we want to be a people here, a people for God's own possession, a people to whom God will reveal himself through his word and through his spirit, and a people through whom he will reveal himself not only to Montrose, but to Houston and to the world through the good work of the gospel message moving in and through his people. That has always been God's intent. And that is what your heart, if you're, whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer, that is what your heart in its heart of hearts, in its very sort of most basic level, it's what it longs for and desires. And so you will only find rest. You will only find hope. You will only find stability and permanence and all of these things that we long for in the person and work of Jesus. And it's by that virtue that we are then brought into this wonderful community, this wonderful family, this people for God's own possession. Let's pray.